Lord, and you love us. And uh, we know that every Sunday when we, un when we look at your word, it's good news. It's great news. And uh, sometimes, Jesus, you even say hard things to us, and it's still good news. And so we pray that you would continue to speak to us, get to the things that matter in our lives, God. Wake us up if we need to be woken up today. We pray you'd bring your life to us, God, and share it with us. Uh, thank you for Jesus, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was great to pray during our song time this morning. And just so you know, uh, just so you can be prepared, our uh, elders and prayer team are going to be at the front at, during our communion time at the end of the service. They're going to be available today to pray with you. And so if you have some kind of burden for yourself or someone you know, you may want to just bring that. And that'd be a good thing to do. And so uh, you can prepare, be prepared to do that at the end of our service. But we're in the fourth week of a seven-week series called I Am, and we're looking at the, the I Am statements that Jesus made, seven images or metaphors or pictures that Jesus gave us of himself. By the way, just for those of you who care, these are in no special order. We really started on Easter Sunday with Jesus' great words, I am the resurrection and the life. We found out that resurrection is not just an event, it is a person. And then when we went on to hear the, the comforting news, the challenging uh, words, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then last week, we considered the news that those who follow Jesus will not walk in darkness because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And today we're going to look at the I am statement found in John 10, 11, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I really like that Jesus describes himself as a shepherd because I'd like to think that I have kind of shepherding in my DNA. Um, my, my grandfather uh, was a shepherd. He was a sheep farmer. You didn't, you didn't call them shepherds, but, but he had a flock of sheep, and he did this well into his uh, 70s. He, after a time of having his own farm, he sold his farm, but he carried on working for other sheep farmers because he was so good at it. In fact, uh, when my family think of my grandfather, we think of him in this capacity. We think that we, our image of him is shearing sheep. Here's a picture of him that when I said to my brother and sister that I was looking for this picture, I, I sent them an email and I got an email back from both of them within 15 minutes. It was like a race to send me this picture. They had it at their fingertips because all of us think of our, my grandfather as this great shepherd who was stellar. Uh, he's got an electric shearer there, but he used to. I remember when I was really young, he used to have these sharp, sharp scissors, and he could, he could uh, without ever injuring the sheep, he could um, shed the wool, take, take the wool right off there, shear the wool. In impressive. And he was a good shepherd, gentle and caring with the sheep. And he was a good grandpa, caring and, and gentle with us. And so Jesus is the good shepherd, and the fact that he says, I am the good shepherd, implies that there are others not good. In fact, he outright says this in verse 1 of John 10, where he said, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the, the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. He's talking about our spiritual enemy. We, we have an enemy. His name is Satan. Jesus is the light. He's the prince of darkness, we're told. He hates God. He hates God's people. And it is his mission to steal and kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And it's not difficult to see that there is 
the power of evil at, at work in our world. And we don't look, have to look as far as ISIS to see it. We see it in our own families, in our own neighborhoods. Uh, you know, we see a lot of things, a lot of people sick, a lot of families are falling apart, a lot of marriages are, are, are in trouble, a lot of kids are, are making bad decisions. And I believe at the root of it is this thief and robber. In fact, Jesus said very clearly here, the mission of our spiritual enemy, verse 10, is the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. I love the contrast, though. He says, my purpose, though, he said in the NLT, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Um, Let's be real clear here. Jesus is the good shepherd. Who are we in the metaphor? Sheep. We're the sheep. And here he is. This, imagine this. This is the love of God through his son that, they, that he desires for you and for me that we would have a rich and satisfying life. Life to the full, some versions say. Life. This is really a, a theme th- we find through the I am statements. I, I am the resurrection and the? I am the way, the truth, and the? Whoever follows me will have the light of? You guys aren't very enthusiastic. Life. Next week, we'll look at Jesus and say, I am the bread of? Thank you for helping me out there, folks. A little slow, but you're there. Coffee before the services. We're going to get there, I'm, I promise you. Life, full life, a, a rich, satisfying life is what he wants for you. So again, it is very good news that, that he's the good shepherd and that we're the sheep. Now, sheep, just so you know, they're, they're the animal most mentioned in Scripture, more than any other animal. About 200 times you'll find sheep mentioned in the Bible. Since we're talking about animals, uh, dogs are mentioned around 30-plus times or, or so. Cats are mentioned exactly zero. <laughs> zero. You can't find cat mentioned in the Bible unless you take lion, which is part of the cat family, And the Bible says that Satan roars around like a lion, so you can see the direct connection between Satan and cats. I'm just saying. (laughs) Help me out, folks. Those dog lovers out there, I need some help. Obviously, I was drowning for a moment there. We got a lot lot of cat lovers in this crowd. Wow. What, what about Aslan? He's not in the Bible. Actually, uh, yes, he, the Lion of Judah. I know. I was just, you know, a joke at the cat lover's expense. That's all I can say. Um, now, we are sheep, and unfortunately, that is not good news, because <laughs> sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the planet. Uh, <laughs> think about it. You go to a circus, you never see a trained sheep. You'll see horses and monkeys, you'll see, you know, uh, 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 lions and, and uh, tigers, elephants, all those kinds of things. You can even see fleas. You can see a flea circus, but you'll never see a sheep in a circus because you can't train them because they're too stupid. They really are. The only way, the only way to make a, a sheep play dead is to shoot them, and you can only do that trick once. <laughs> so they're not very bright. So I need to say, with all the love of Jesus, that you and I, we can be very, very stupid. And let me give you four challenges of being a sheep. The first is this. Sheep get lost very easily. Kind of know this. Isaiah 53 outright stays this. All we like sheep 
have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. It's incredibly common for sheep to walk away from the flock, to go off by themselves, to find themselves lost. And the reality is we can find ourselves there. I think sometimes in in periods of our life, sometimes this week, sometimes today, you're going to say, I feel lost. We can, we can be in that place, making bad decisions, getting, trying to figure out life on our own, doing it ourselves. It's because sheep without a shepherd get lost very easily. The second thing is uh, sheep are defenseless. Think about this. Just about every animal has some form of, of defense. Even cats have claws. Dogs have teeth. teeth. Other animals, reptiles have, have fangs. Uh, uh, birds have beaks. Um, some have horns or tusks. Some animals have great size, some have great speed, some have amazing camouflage, some can fly away. Sheep can't do anything. They're totally defenseless. Okay, bad joke warning. You attack a sheep, and uh, what do they do? They just say, back off. (laughs) Told you it was bad. Because sheep are defenseless. That's a new law. And on our own, without the body of Christ, uh, without the armor of, of God, without the, the leadership and guidance of, of the good shepherd, we are incredibly vulnerable to the lies of the evil one. So many of us as sheep, we're believing the lies and, and we're living a life that leads to darkness, at least on the outside or in the inside, I should say. Sheep are, are defenseless. Number three, sheep are incredibly stubborn. Look at the person next to you and say, I think he's talking about you right now. We can be so, <laughs> we can be so stubborn. We can be so sheep-like. We can so, be so un, unteachable. In fact, I, I read that that uh, sheep, whenever they walk in between two rocks and they get themselves lodged in, the sheep are too stubborn to go in reverse. They will not back out. They, instead, they just keep lodging themselves in. They keep going forward, getting more stuck. How many of you know someone like that right now? <laughs> just raise your hand. Do not point to them. <laughs> like the woman who says, I keep getting the wrong guy. I keep getting the wrong, wrong guy. I, I don't know why. I always pick the bad guys. And you're like, try using some other bait, you know, or something. Or, or, or like the person who says, I'm out of money. I'm always broke. Let's go to the mall and talk about it, okay? <laughs> that's, that's stubborn. And that's what a lot of sheep are. Number four, sheep are unclean. Really, uh, they, they can be very filthy. I mean, we've all seen those flight, fluffy white sheep on TV. Those have been power washed, people. <laughs> I, I, this is one of the things I remember about visiting my grandfather's farms is that as, when I went and saw the sheep, they stunk. Uh, they stinketh, the King James Version say. They, they really did. They stank. And they could, couldn't, they could clean themselves, but they don't. And if I could say very respectfully, that's the way we are in the eyes of God without Christ. A lot of people say, well, I'm a good person. Uh, she's a good person. He, he lived a good life. <laughs> that ought to be enough. Well, in, in the eyes of God, that we're actually not good. Our, our default position, our factory default settings, at, at least in a, in a broken world, is that we're not good. In the eyes of a perfect, a holy God, we're, we're dirty, filthy sinners, falling way short of, of God's standards. The bottom line is, Sheep need a shepherd, and you and I, we need a savior. We need Jesus, and without him, we are vulnerable to the lies of the evil one. That's why it's really, really good news when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. 
Now, what I want to do in the rest of our time together is to, to, I want to show you four incredible qualities. We've seen four qualities of sheep. I want to show you four incredible qualities of the shepherd, the good shepherd. And I pray that God would help to connect these to your heart and that together we'd be able to learn how to live these out. They change the way we live in our everyday lives. The first one is this. What does the good shepherd do? He guides. The good shepherd guides. Psalm 23, David said, and, and this is perhaps some of my very, very favorite words in Scripture. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. This uh, week, uh, Tuesday afternoon, a fateful moment in our home, I clicked on a button on our computer, which sent it hurtling into crash mode. And so our, our, it seemed like, and my, my wife, who this is her business computer, this meant had all kinds of implications for the way the rest of this week went. It was disastrous. And I felt sick. And in, I couldn't sleep that night. And I'm in bed. And, and my dear wife, she, uh, she actually put her hands on me at one point. She could sense that I was restless and tossing and turning and feeling terrible about, and, and uncertain about our future with, with this computer. And she said these words, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And just hearing those words brought peace. It was such a good word. But in verse 3, he goes on to say, he says that he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Why? Because the good shepherd guides. That's who he is. Do you ever find yourself with a big decision and you just honestly you don't know what to do? When, when you seek the Lord, he'll reveal himself to you and he'll guide you. We talked about this a lot last week. It's good to repeat. Verse 3 and 4 of John 10 says... The, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep do what? This is so, so rich. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. So, so he, the good shepherd, calls his sheep by name, and they come out, and after he's gathered his own flock, he, he walks ahead of them, and, and what do they do? The Bible says they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They know his voice. He guides them. And this is so powerful. The sheep recognize the voice of the good shepherd now some of you say uh, now i can't recognize the voice of the shepherd the voice of god let me say this and this has been a real encouragement to me this week as i've been thinking about how stupid sheep are as stupid as they are they're wired with the capacity to hear the voice of their shepherd they can recognize they can come to know and recognize the voice of the shepherd that's as, as somebody once said in a, in a show, we have the technology. God, God the shepherd, this is good news, God speaks, and God the shepherd speaks to us in all kinds of ways. We could brainstorm together some of the ways he's spoken to you. I mean, he speaks in, in stillness. Some of you, when you just stop, you sense this presence upon you. You sense that he's there, and, and, and you might hear a word or an, an encouragement. Uh, God, speak to us through the shaping of thoughts in our heads. Some of you doubt that that could ever happen, but God can actually shape the way we think about something. He can actually insert a thought in our head about something. God, God speaks to us through his word. We can find guidance through his word every single day. He speaks to us through circumstances, through, through people, through prophetic messages. You know, I've often prayed a prayer. I, I commend it to you. It's been a prayer that's been so helpful for me. I've, I've prayed, I've asked God, speak to me, God, in a way that I can understand. Speak to me. I don't know what language you speak to everybody else, but would you speak to me in my language in a way that I can understand, in a way that I can get it? And God has answered that prayer countless, countless times. 
I think uh, my wife and I were reflecting on, on, on this this last week. We were having a conversation about our journey to our new home. We've been, we've been uh, living in a new place for the last couple of years. When it came to actually think about moving into a new neighborhood, how did God speak to us in that decision process? A lot of it was through hunches. A lot of it was just through a, a sense, I think this is what we're supposed to do. I'm not sure, but I sense that I think it. Um, my wife had very specifically some, some kind of prophetic words, some words that seemed to be very clear to her, that, where God says, said to her that, that uh, the home you're living in now is no longer yours. She had that kind of almost audible word in her head from God. I think of the key conversations we had with people. Some of, it, some of you are in this room where you gave us some wisdom and guidance in this whole process. I think of the day, this is kind of a, one of those defining moments for us where we actually went out with a realtor and we were looking at houses in this area and we were initially pretty discouraged because we couldn't find anything that we wanted and we saw one home in this day that we went out, one home that kind of ticked the boxes and we said, I think that's the one. That's the place we feel most like home. And later that day, we, we went home and we thought we'd have lots of time to kind of process this, think about this, pray about it. We went home that day and we got a call from the realtor minutes after we got home and said, well, the game has changed. You know, if that, if that house you liked, it's actually, there's an offer on it and you're going to have to move quickly. And, and really, I need your decision in an hour if we're going to be able to put an offer in uh, to compete with his other offer. And we didn't know what to do. And so we actually stopped and we prayed to God. We're in over our heads here. This is a, a big leap of faith. This is more than we plan to spend, all these kind of things. And we said, God, would you lead us? And we grabbed hold of this devotional book we'd been reading and, and just kind of flipped it open. God sometimes leads that way. Sometimes he doesn't, and we can be misled. But he, oh, uh, we opened it, to, and the top of the page, it said, I am taking you to a new place. And we thought, well, that's kind of relevant to the question we're asking right now, and so we're going to go on that. And God led, and the next day they accepted our offer over the other person's offer, and we feel bad for them, not really. Um, <laughs> but we knew it was his voice. God can speak in all kinds of different ways, and the sheep who belong to him, they know his voice. Now, maybe you're saying, well, I don't know his voice. And there may be a reason for that. Let me give you an example. If I were to walk into a room of 50 women, and they were all talking at once, not that that would ever, ever happen. But they're all talking at once. And if my wife is in there, and if I asked, can you recognize her voice? If you said, no, I can't, there'd probably be one of two reasons for that. Either you don't know her, you've never met her, or you haven't spent enough time with her to recognize her voice. Because if I walk in a room with 50 women in there, and my wife's in there talking, if I go in there blindfolded, give me a minute, and I'll be able to find my wife. Why? because I know her, and because I've spent enough time with her that I can recognize her voice. If you don't recognize the voice of the good shepherd, it may be that either you don't know him or you haven't spent enough time with him to recognize his voice. And maybe for you this morning, this very message is a reminder for you to pursue and invest in, and, and it's a challenge for you. Maybe it's an invitation for you to, to pursue this relationship with God, where you get to know Him, where, where it's not just a knowledge of Him out there far, far away, but a, a personal experience and, and knowledge of God to come to recognize His voice so that you can discover His good guidance, and so that the good news is you don't have to walk in darkness about how you live. 
So if you have a difficult decision to make, should I take a job in this other city or should I not? Should I stay here? Should I keep dating this person or, or should I not? Should we try to have more kids or not? Should we join this church or not? When, when you're making decisions, you can, you can literally say to God, God, you, you sent Jesus as the, the good shepherd. He's the guide. That's his job. My job is what? My job is to follow. You show me and I'll follow. And it takes all the, I don't know, I love this. It takes all the pressure off. It, it puts the pressure on him to reveal his will and his direction. He guides and we follow. So first he guides. Say it with me. He guides. Second thing he does is he provides. Our good shepherd, our God is a good shepherd who provides. In fact, Psalm 23, verses 1, 2, and 3, David said this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores my soul. I love that imagery. He makes me lie down in green pastures. How often do you see a sheep lying down? Any of you say, well, we live in the city. We don't see any sheep lying down. <laughs> Good point. But, but you won't see sheep lying down very often because there are three things a sheep needs before they lie down. They have to be well-fed or they won't lie down. They have to be getting along, or they won't lie down. They have to be, be uh, feeling safe. They have to be at rest to, to lie down. But in the presence of the good shepherd who leads them to green pastures where they're nourished, they, they can eat and they're full, where they feel safe in his care, and where he breaks up fights uh, with his staff and helps them get along. By the way, some of you need the good shepherd to come into your home and help bring some healing and some forgiveness in your relationships. You just need that right now. You know, some of you need the good shepherd to help bring peace, to step into the, the mess of a, a work relationship or a relationship with a neighbor that's gone south or with a friend. And when he restores those relationships, doesn't it feel like green pastures? Goes on to say, he leads me beside quiet waters. Why quiet waters? Because if there's rushing waters, the sheep won't go down to rushing waters to drink. Why? Because they, they often fall in, they're afraid of falling in, they become like a big cotton ball, they, they wash downstream and they drown. They're afraid of that, they won't do that. The good shepherd leads them beside the right kind of water, quiet water, so that they can drink. Let me say this, some of us, our lives, just almost by how we're living, the pace that we're going, they're kind of like white water rapids. Some of you are living that. You're like, you're dodging rocks and you're just going full out. You're, you're barely keeping your head above water, let alone being able to stop. The last thing you're thinking about doing in that kind of environment is, is taking a drink. The good shepherd wants us to slow down. And he'll very often lead us into silence and to solitude, to the kind of quiet that our soul longs for, to connect with Jesus in an authentic way, to the Jesus who says, if anyone is thirsty... Come to me and drink. So he leads us beside quiet waters. That's one of his provisions. And it says he refreshes or he restores my soul. I love this. He is such a good provider. He does not just provide for us materially. He also, he doesn't just provide for our bodies. He provides for our souls. And some of you right now, you've got everything you need on the outside, but, but inside you're kind of feeling bankrupt. Inwardly, your soul is not at rest. You might be like a sheep without a shepherd because... Our, our good shepherd in his good provision, he refreshes our souls so that inwardly we can experience his peace. That's part of his provision. 
The amazing thing is when you're a sheep under the care of the, the great shepherd, all hell can be breaking loose outside, and, and you can be at a place where all sorts of things are, are going wrong, and yet you can experience this peace that Paul talks about, this peace that surpasses all understanding. What is that? It's the presence of the good shepherd restoring your soul. The good shepherd guides, and the good shepherd provides. The third thing is he also corrects. Everyone say, my shepherd corrects. This may not be good for news for you if you're a sheep that is wandering. It may not seem like good news at the time, but it's truly good news because the, the shepherd loves you, the sheep, enough to correct you when you're wandering into danger. In fact, Job knew this very well. In Job chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, look at the richness of this picture. He said, blessed is the one whom God corrects. <laughs> Can you imagine if you're being corrected and you're like saying, I'm blessed. That's how much God loves me. My God cares enough for me to actually keep me out of trouble. Blessed is the one whom God corrects. And he goes on to say, do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. Seems like an odd thing for our God to do, to actually wound and then bind up. Uh, I read an article about what loving shepherds would, would do for a little lamb that would continue to wander off. You know, when a little lamb would, would runs off, it doesn't know how vulnerable it is to, to wolves or to predators or to falling off cliffs or, or, or getting into trouble. And sometimes a, a loving shepherd would take his rod and, and what they'd do when, when the little lamb would keep wandering off and was going to soon be picked off, so the, the shepherd would, would take the rod and crack the leg of the lamb. It sounds incredibly cruel. But then what the good shepherd would do is he, he'd take the little lamb and he'd nurse that lamb's leg back to health and he'd, he'd carry that lamb over his shoulder and in his arms. And, and that lamb would, over time, grow more and more dependent on the shepherd and, and trusting in the shepherd and his nature and in his voice and that little lamb would eventually never run off run off again because he'd learned to trust in the character of the shepherd and listen to his his voice it's the good discipline of god you get these kind of uh, experiences when you're a parent i'll never forget when uh, one of our sons was about 18 months tw two years old and we had a gas fireplace that was just kind of the center of our our home and it's got you know that glass face that is just uber hot, and we'd try to put obstacles around it. We still wanted to use it. We didn't want to like, not have the fireplace on for their entire lives. So we thought we'd try to train them not to touch the fireplace. But I'll, I'll never forget the day when, when my son looked like he was deliberately going to go and put his hands on the fireplace. And I just didn't trust that he would pull them back in time, and so I ran in and I tackled him, basically tackled this little kid to the ground. And in that moment, he's looking up at me with this look of, like, you are a bad person. You're a bad dad. I've actually had my teenage son say that to me out loud. You're a bad dad. Good. Then I'm doing my job. Actually, his little mind couldn't comprehend what a loving act me pulling him away from that fireplace was. And there may be a time when, when our good and loving God allows us to face consequences of our bad decisions to keep us from making further bad decisions that could cost us down the road. He does that. Now, um, 
honestly, no one sits around saying, oh, thank God, God is disciplining me, you know? This is going to be good. Sock it to me, God, you know? Nobody does that. When I, when I discipline my boys, they don't say, oh, praise the Lord, Dad, Dad said we can't meet with our friends this week. Who knows, maybe he'll take away our phones too, you know? They don't do that. Remember, we looked at this recently, Hebrews 12, it, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. What does it seem like? It's painful, it's hard, it hurts. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, of peace for those who have been trained by it. Our good shepherd is so loving that he loves us enough to correct us, to keep us out of further harm. So our good shepherd guides. He provides, he corrects, and he protects. Uh, this is what it says in Psalm 23, 4. David said this, love these words, even though, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my good shepherd is with me. He's with me. I'm at rest in my soul. When he's with me, I have nothing to fear. When I'm with me, I know that he's working to bring good out of anything I might be going, going through. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod. This was a weapon to scare off or, or harm the animals who would threaten the sheep. And your staff, they comfort me. The staff had a, a hook in order to rescue a fallen sheep, and it was smooth wood and could be used to comfort the lamb, could to be comfort the sheep, stroking them like you would a pet. But the, the good shepherd doesn't just protect us with his rod and his staff. In, in verse 12 of John 10, Jesus contrasts himself as a shepherd with an, a hired hand or an employee on a farm. Listen to what he says, verse 12. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when the, he sees the wolf coming, what does, the, what does he do? He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. Goes on to say, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is asking, Jesus is saying, who cares more about a business? The owner or an employee? The owner. Why? They're invested. And Jesus is saying, I will protect you like I would an owner, not like an employee or a hired hand. Earlier in the passage, Jesus not only said, I am the shepherd, but he says, I'm the gate of the sheep pen. And at nights, sheep were, were in a pen built of rocks meant to protect sheep during the night, the most vulnerable time of, of their lives. And in some instances in that culture, the shepherd would literally be a gate to that pen. He'd lay down across the opening. And, and wild animals and robbers would have to go through him to get to the sheep. What a profound picture. Imagine Jesus standing between us and whatever enemies you and I may be facing. Imagine the show, showdown. You want to get to them? You got to go through me. You want to get to them? You got to go through me. I think Clinties would say something like, go ahead, make my day, or something like that. And there's an enemy of our soul who would love to get to us, who would love to wreck our lives and steal our souls and destroy the very fabric of our being. And Jesus is, is saying when we put our trust in him, the enemy has to go through him to get to us. And Jesus is committed to us to the death. He's willing to lay down his life. In fact, he laid down his life. What a profound sense of security when we understand that 
that what lengths our shepherd will go to protect us. What a good shepherd. Jesus uh, told a parable and said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what would the shepherd do? He says, the shepherd will leave the 99 to pursue the one. May I tell you here this morning that I, I, I sense that there's somebody, one person, this, this whole message is for you. You're the one. You're the sheep that, that needs the shepherd, and, and he's looking for you. He's coming for you. He loves you that much. Let me wrap up with this story before I get to the Lord's table. One time a drama teacher was uh, teaching his class, and he said, I want you to recite the 23rd Psalm. And he said, I'll go first. The, the drama teacher was brilliant. Um, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He did it with such such power. He went on through the whole thing. It was brilliant. Every student applauded at the end. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the teacher pointed to the front row and he said, said, I want you to do it. And he pointed to the shyest kid there. Everyone knew that kid was a Christian, but, but he was shy. And he was just scared to death at being called out like that. And this young Christian kid stood before the class, very nervous. And as he started to read, the imagery came to life for him. And he remembered all that Jesus had done for him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, and he remembered how God had provided for him when he was in need, and he started to tremble. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And, and this shy kid got overwhelmed with emotion. He, he could barely get through it in the tears. And, and when he got through it, no one clapped. Everyone was crying. There wasn't a dry eye in the room. And the drama coach says, well, there you have it. I know the psalm, but that guy knows the shepherd. That guy knows the shepherd. Let me ask you again this morning, folks. Do you know the shepherd? Do you know the good shepherd? I know many of you do. He gives up his life for us, his, his desire. He's come for us not to hurt us, not to harm us. He, he comes because his desire for you and for me that we would have a rich and satisfying life, that we would have a full life. And he loved you so much that he would lay down his life for you so you could know his love and that you could have the, the freedom of following this God who loves us so very much. In a few moments, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper together, remembering that this good shepherd who gave his life for us, that we might have life. To help us remember, we're going to watch just for a few minutes a, a song, an artistic rendering of the life and sacrifice of Jesus. Let's watch the screen. Lead me 
We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. But we have a good shepherd. He's such a good, good shepherd. He's never given up on you. And he will never give up on you. While we were still wayward and lost uh, off on our own, while we were utterly and completely defenseless against the evil one, while we were truly stuck in our way, stuck in our stubbornness, in our rebelliousness, in our self-centeredness. While we were covered in dirt and filth and the guilt and the shame of our sin, while we were still sinners, God showed his love for us. God, the good shepherd, showed us how much he loved us by laying down his life for the sheep. His sheep. That's us. You and me. He laid down his life and yet he lives. He lives. The tomb is empty. And he's alive. And his desire for you and me is that we would experience his life to the full. And communion is a, is a key time in, in, in our church where we, 
where Jesus invites us in a fresh way, I think, to experience his life, to experience all the good things he wants to give you, for the blessings he wants to pour out on you. And he invites us just by taking the bread and the cup to become participants in his life, and to participants in his goodness. And in that moment, we give thanks for all that he's given and for the life that he gives. And this morning, it may simply be a reminder to you, an opportunity to thank Jesus for all that he has done for you, for how he has guided you, for how he has provided for you, how he has lovingly corrected you and, and, and protected you. For some of you, taking the, the bread and the cup this morning may be a moment where you say, even for the first time, Jesus, I receive this gift of your life. And you can respond to his invitation to enter into a relationship with God where you can come to know the shepherd. You'll know that you'll know that you'll know and where you can indeed recognize his voice for yourself. I'm going to invite you to come. Our prayer team uh, are going to come up. Maybe they could make their way even now to come and stand on my right and my left, and they're going to be available to pray with you. We're going to invite you to come through the center aisle, and you can just help yourself to a piece of bread or a gluten-free cracker, uh, a cup of juice. You can take it there, or you can take it back to your seats. You're, you're doing this uh, in remembrance of Jesus, who gave his all for you. Uh, I invite you to do that. Before we do that, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Give thanks. So, Father, we come this morning to our good shepherd of our souls who bore our, our sin and paid our debt and, and rescued us from everything that would harm us or enslave us. And we, we thank you that he freely laid down his life for us. We're sheep, and we can be easily lost or distracted we can be stubborn and rebellious. We know that on our own, we're defenseless and vulnerable. Jesus, thank you that you came to cleanse us from our dirt and our filth and our sin and our shame. That in you, we can be declared righteous and clean and holy and perfect. Jesus, we ask you again, be our good shepherd. Help us to listen for your voice and to follow your lead. We give thanks to you in Christ's name. Amen. Let us uh, eat this meal together in gratitude for what he has done and for who he is. Please come. my head with oil. 
Lord of our sinful heart 
God and His Spirit is moving among us right now. And so if you'd like to remain quiet, I encourage you to maybe even move forward to the front part of the auditorium at the end and you can just pray and uh, be attentive to His voice. It's, I think God's been speaking to you. And pay attention and follow His lead. Um, for the rest of us, we, we have refreshments at the back. You, you can receive prayer up here. Would you please, those who are able, please stand uh, for the benediction. As you go, may you come to know more and more and more from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. This Jesus, who is the great shepherd of your soul. And may you experience in new ways his guidance, his provision in your lives, his loving correction, and his great protection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.